Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm glad you're here today in this nice, warm, spring-like weather that we're having, right? It's all in our heads. That's what they say. If you think it's hot, it'll be hot. If you think it's cold, it'll be cold. So just think warm thoughts and uh, everything will be okay. But I'm glad you're here on a Wednesday. And I'm thankful for each and every one that's gathered. Our kids, of course, are downstairs. And this is the fourth uh, Wednesday of the month. And so on the fourth Wednesday of the month, our youth join us. Now, they were here last week as well, but we're glad you are here this week. And uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to do. Um, have you ever noticed, and, and I want to do some teaching today, that, that's probably going to, to begin, or, or, or kind of a series. It may only be a two sermon series, but it won't quite be back-to-back because as uh, you heard this Sunday, we're going to share some vision and some excitement and kind of kind of give a direction that I want uh, you and I to be a part of this year in church and, and some programs that we've got going on, and, and we're going to do that. And then Wednesday, so next Wednesday, uh, we're going to take that service and we're going to give you some instructions on how to accomplish what we're wanting to see uh, happen in our church. So uh, it'll probably be the following Wednesday that I might give you part two of this message. Have you ever noticed how we don't like, and I'm not talking about you, I said we that way, you ever notice that we don't like to take responsibility for our actions a lot of times? I mean, you know, very seldom do we willingly say, yeah, I did that. It's always somebody else's fault. Let's meddle a little bit. Is that fair enough? Get y'all wound up. Anybody ever blamed your spouse for something that you did? All right, we got one person. Anybody blame your kids for something? Anybody ever blamed your dog or your pet for something that you should have taken responsibility? <laughs> Absolutely. It's just how human nature is. But the, the thing that I love about the Word of God, and I, I think you all know this, I love the Word of God. It's become the, 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 the foundation that, that my life is built on. and um, I, I've always wanted to be, and you, this is no new thing to some of you, but I always wanted to be one of those preachers that could just get up without any notes and just preach up a storm and go to town. Well, you don't get that way unless you spend a whole lot of time in His Word. Does that make sense? I, I, I like to fish. Some of y'all like to fish. Uh, I, I kind of like to be able to, and this may not make any sense to any of y'all, but uh, I was in Florida this last year and, and, and took a kayak fishing trip kind of in the, in the saltwater, backwater marshes of, of the Cape Canaveral area. And, and we're in a kayak, or I'm in a kayak, my guide's in another kayak, and we're fishing for snook, we're fishing for tarpon. And the tarpon were fun, you know, they were all jumping around, and, and, and they, were, they were exciting, they're about three feet long, and I caught a couple of them. But then we went snook fishing, and snook is an incredible fish. It's, it's, it, it, it's long and sleek, and it just takes off. But the only way to get them is they're way back under the mangrove branches. And so in order to catch them, you've got to be able to skip that lure sometimes 10, 15 feet under low-hanging branches. And, and I, I've got a fairly proficient casting ability. I was able to do it most of the time. But you don't get that unless you fish a lot. You don't just wake up one day and toss it down. 
When I find the Word of God, the more that I learn from the Word of God, the more that I delve into the Word of God, the more that I study the Word of God, the more I'm convinced the Bible doesn't give you and I any leeway. In fact, it's constantly telling you, fix yourself. Right? Don't blame anybody else. Fix yourself. And so I want to preach today on a simple title. It's kind of a question, and, and we're going to get to it. Offended. Offended. And, and I will be the first to tell you that offense is real. That, that offense is... Uh, it, it, I've, I've had my feelings hurt a time or two. I know most of you don't think I have any feelings, that I'm dead inside, but I do. I've had my feelings hurt. One time years and years and years ago, I was on one side of a wall... And some church people were on the other side of the wall. And they were talking really bad about me. And it hurt my feelings. And I probably should have just walked in there and smiled, but I didn't. I left and then came in later. I've been offended before. Offense is real. But, but part two of this message is going to be how do we handle offense. But before I get to how we handle offense, I think we first need to check our own selves and make sure we're not offending. Is that fair enough? I think all too often we jump on the, well, let me help you when you've been offended, and we kind of forget the whole don't be offensive. And so I want to, to talk to you about it. I've got a whole lot of verses, so much so that, that I gave them in a, in a, a, a document to, to Brother Andy Smith back there so he can follow along with me. But this is going to be one of those great places for you to have brought your Bible and to take notes and to write it down because offense is a very real thing. So Matthew chapter 24, we're going to read verse 3 and 14 to kind of begin with. We'll jump around and if you don't catch them all and you want uh, these notes later, that's very easy for me to get them to you because I, I, I didn't write them today. I put them on my computer and I don't do that very often. So, uh, but Matthew chapter 4, no, Matthew chapter 24 Verse 3, there we go, Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things to be. What sign will be of your coming to the end of the age? Jesus answered them saying, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of birth pains. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Anybody here, and, and, and I'm going to treat you like I treat my hyphen class. I'm going to ask you to give me a little input. Anybody here got your real Bible with you and you got a King James Version Bible? Okay, Sister Peters, can you, can you read verse 10? Matthew 24 and verse 10. All right, so here's one of these places, and we've been talking a lot about this to our hyphen class as we've been going through this. Can I remember, please remember, the Bible was not written in English. Everybody understand that? They didn't speak English. It probably, English may not have even been invented yet. And so they didn't write it in English. They wrote it in, 
and, and spoke in, in Hebrew and Aramaic and Latin. And so anytime we read the Bible in English, we're reading a translation. And so what I've loved to do is, is I love to look at it in various translations. Because in the ESV, which is what we read, it says many will fall away. But you heard Sister Peters in the King James says many shall be offended. The reason is, is because the, the, the word that they pulled that from could, could be translated many ways. And I would like to just help you with a strong, detailed, well-rounded understanding of what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying that in the last days, there's going to be offenses. And those offenses, another way to look at it is a stumbling block. How many of you have ever stumbled over something your spouse or your family left on the, on the ground? Uh-huh. I will have to say I probably don't know that I've ever really stumbled over any of my wife's stuff. She does a really good job picking it up. However, she has probably stumbled over my stuff multiple, multiple, multiple times. And so part of that, when, when we talk about there's an, an offense that has happened, it's a stumbling block. Something has caused them to stumble. So it's offense, it's stumbling. And when you stumble, if you're not careful, you will fall. And there's this falling away. And it even goes so further, so, so far uh, as to, and, and we're going to hit it in a minute, that, that many times you're offended, you, you, you stumble, you fall. And the biggest danger is you leave the faith. And so it is that, that we're noticing uh, that the Bible many times will equate our being offended. So let me make sure everybody's with me. How many of you have ever been offended? Okay. Anybody never been offended? I want to see a perfect person. Okay, good. But no. So, so here's what I want you to catch out of this because it's, it's so important. We, we live in this postmodern America, me first world. And we don't want to be offended. You know, we, 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 we've done everything we can to be politically correct and, and no offense. And you can't tell a joke on anybody and you can't do this. And some of that's good. But here's the thing. The Bible is more um, interested not in how, not if you're offended or not offended, but how did it affect your walk with God. Because there is a correlation between how we handle offense and how we handle our walk with God. Here's the deal. You're going to be offended. If, if you have a family, you're going to be offended. If you have a marriage, you're going to be offended. If you work a business or a job, you're going to be offended. If you go to school, you're going to be offended. Everybody catching where I'm headed? You're going to be offended. Offenses will come, the Bible says. It's going to happen. How did it affect your faith? I can't tell you how many times I have watched in my life Offense destroys somebody's faith. They blame God. They blame the church. They blame everything in the whole world except the real thing. And so it is that how we deal with it determines our outcome. And because of that, remember the enemy, he's a, he's a, a, a sneaky person. The enemy, uh, uh, remember my sermon from, from a month or so ago where I talked about the tactics of the lion. And the lion goes after our weaknesses, right? And so because of that, if the enemy knows that offenses kind of get us all out of sorts, then the, the, the Bible teaches us that the enemy, the devil, will use offenses to derail people. 
Hence why I have a trap near the word offended. Because there is a trap. So let's keep going. Many will fall away, betray one another, hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one that endures to the end will be saved. And the gospel of this kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. Again, we're kind of talking about the last days. We're in the same understanding that Jesus is trying to get to his disciples. But understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, appeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. So I want to recommend a book to you. I don't do this very often, but I love to read, and, and, and I have found that it will help. So I want to recommend a book to you. Many of you may know about it. Some of you may have even read it. You can get it as a real book. You can get it as an e-book. You can get it as an audio book. So there's really no excuse for you not to listen to it. But it's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere or Bevere. It's a phenomenal read, and, and, and I'm going to loosely follow. I'm not, if, if you had the book right now, you probably wouldn't see me following it word for word or even chapter by chapter, but I'm loosely following some of its flow and its teaching. But that there is a trap that Satan wants to use, and so this trap of Satan, uh, we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, we just read about all the last days, people are going to do this. But in order to understand that text more clearly, I invite you to step back about four or five verses. Maybe more than that. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22. So we're just backing up. We were in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're hitting the, the end of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Watch what it says. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies, for you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth, so that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And here's what you have to understand with the Bible. You, you've seen this in a kind of a positive note. Pursue this, don't do that. But, but if you could flip the script, you would find that people who are quarrelsome, people who are unkind, people who are controversial, those have found themselves in the snare of the devil that the devil has captured them to do his will. Does everybody understand where I'm coming from? So that's why I want you to understand there's Bible when I talk about the trap, the, the snare that Satan has. I would like to help you out. Yes, Satan would love for you to go and fornicate. Yes, Satan would love for you to go and cuss everybody out. Satan would love for you to murder your neighbor. All of those sound good. But Satan also realizes this. 
If I can just get you to be unkind, he says, I can win. If I can get you just to quarrel a little bit. In fact, I, I could probably show you, and I don't have it in front of me, but I could probably show you that the Bible talks more about quarreling and strife and division and sedition and, and, and kind of infighting than it ever does about fornication. Because most of us are never going to have an issue with that. But we have a whole lot of issue with drama. A whole lot of issue with quarrels. And so the Satan, he, he, he desires to ensnare you. And, and he says, if I can ensnare you in, in this trap of pettiness, in this trap of drama, in this trap of being offended, and ultimately into the trap of bitterness, then I'll win. Those who are caught in the devil's trap this is what happens. This is, and, and, and I'm probably re, re, uh, uh, going over some verses we've already gone over, but I'm just trying to set the stage. He says, when Satan has you in this trap, then in those last days, 2 Timothy chapter 3, you'll be lovers of self. You'll be lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, all of that. But notice the key words. Key words such as lovers of themselves. I only care about me. Don't care about you. Don't care about anybody else, just me. Only care about my feelings. I only care about how I feel. I only care about what I see, what I want. Abusive. Now, abusive is not necessarily someone, you know, beating you around, slapping you around. There's many ways to be abusive. Heartless. Slanderous. Talking bad about people. Brutal, swollen with conceit. But look at verse 5. This is what, what jumped out to me uh, in, in this last couple of days. I've read this verse. I've preached from this verse. But Brother Harpool, this is what jumped out. It said all of those bad people having an appearance of godliness but deny its power. <laughs> we're talking all of those bad people. We're technically talking about Christian folk. People who called themselves Christians, right? They look like it. They talk like it. They go to church. They sit in the pews. We're talking about Christian folk. In fact, it goes even further. And again, we've already kind of alluded to this. Go back to Matthew 24, verse 10, that Sister Peter's helped me. Many are going to fall away. They're going to betray. They're going to hate one another. Well, I know it's offense and stumbling and falling away, but to me, if we're talking about someone falling away, we have to understand they were somewhere that they fell from. So we're not talking about rank, horrible sinners that are falling away. We're talking about Christian folk. The issue is, is that you can call yourself a Christian, but you, you have to be careful that in calling yourself a Christian, you're not going against everything that Jesus teaches. Kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be Christian but not follow his teaching. So let's see, what does God's commandment say? So again, please just, just help me. Let me keep reiterating and building the foundation. Let's go back to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Here's what it says. Flee youthful passions. Now I would say that, that I could talk a lot about the passion of young love and young lust and, and, and boyfriend, girlfriend and all that. But passions go a whole lot deeper than just sexual feelings. You ever notice how kids fight real easily and grandparents not so much? 
Probably because as we get older, we realize fighting's not really that worth it. I, 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 I talk to my, 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 my papa a lot. And if you'd catch him and he'd tell you, he's pretty passionate as a young man. He's quick to come to blows. He's quick to talk. But I never saw that side of him. Not just because there was a physical maturity, but there was a spiritual maturity. Flee. He, he, he learned later, he, he said, you know, you don't, you know, read the book of Proverbs. Don't, don't answer a fool. Some, some fights aren't worth fighting. Some battles aren't worth getting involved in. And uh, so, so he, he says, if, if you want to be Christian, then learn to, to grow up. Learn to mature. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Don't have anything to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Don't be quarrelsome. Be kind, teaching, patient, enduring evil. Or look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 2. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5 verse 2. Part of the Beatitudes, part of the, the, the teachings, that greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he opens his mouth, Jesus does there, and he teaches them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek does not mean whooped. Meek does not mean I'm a whipping boy. Meek does not mean you run all over me. I know the Bible says you can turn the other cheek and I get that, but, but meek does not mean you're a punching bag for somebody. Meek means I'm gentle. I'm, I'm, I'm able to not be harsh in my replies. When someone says something I don't like, there's a gentle answer. The Bible says a soft answer Turn away, turneth away wrath. I'm meek. So that's something the Bible tells us. The Bible says to, to be careful what we say. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They'll be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What, what does it mean to be merciful? Why should I be merciful? I'll tell you why you need to be merciful. Because you need mercy yourselves. All too many times I have seen people who are quick to be offended and quick to point out other people's failures and quick to, to show everybody else's shortcomings yet never recognize when they themselves have become harsh or quarrelsome or offensive. That's why the Bible continues on in that great sermon, Matthew chapter 7. You get down to Matthew chapter 7 and it says, Judge not that you not be judged, for the judgment that you pronounce will be uh, will be what you're judged with. And so don't let anybody tell you we can't judge others. That's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says just be careful because the measure that you want to judge others, they're going to turn around and judge you. You want to know why as a pastor for the last almost 14 years, I try to be really kind to your kids? Because I got kids. And I could, I could go nuclear option on someone who makes a mistake, but I don't want you to go nuclear option when I make a mistake. And so you learn to be careful how you judge. Why do you see the speck, the little piece of sawdust in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log sticking out of yours? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me handle your speck. Let me take the speck of sawdust out of your eye and you got a two by four hanging out of yours. The Bible says it pretty harshly. You're a hypocrite. 
First, take the log, the two by four, the big issue, take it out of your eye. Then you can clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. Blessed are the, verse five, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The Lord's own teaching, red letter, if you have a red letter edition Bible, red letter Bible teaching says, do whatever you can to make peace. Find peace first. Don't be quick to fight. Don't be quick to judge. Don't be quick to throw down. No, make peace. Make peace. Matthew chapter 5 and, and I'm kind of jumping down that, that chapter. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Sounds pretty good, but the Lord says, I've come to tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father who's in heaven. He makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sings the ra- sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same? If you only greet your brethren, then what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You must therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here's the thing. The principle is clear. Love your neighbor. question is, who's my neighbor? Jesus answered that. Go look at the the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, love your enemy. He says, love your brethren. And I would add one more to that that I can back up through Scripture, but it was simple. Love yourself. Now, now we, we, we're not, we're not going to, you know, I would have to preface that, love yourself last, but don't forget to love yourself. Because the Bible says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you're some sadomasochist, whatever those people who like a lot of pain, sadomasochist, that's the word I'm looking for. If you're one of those person that love pain, well, then, then that's not going to help you with loving others because you're going to want to inflict pain on them because you want people to inflict pain on you. So the key is love yourself but love yourself last. But we, we really are just called to love everyone. In fact, I can't find really any place in the Bible to not love anyone. To not care about them. Philippians chapter 2 says, If there be any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, if you're going to participate in the Spirit, if there's any affection, if there's any sympathy, I mean, basically, if you care at all about anything, Paul says, then, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, being like I am, having the same love, being full of, be, being in full accord and in one mind. Look at verse 3. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now that's totally against United States 2022 psyche. What it's 2022 psyche in, in America says, I love me, it's all about me, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, don't care about you, don't care about your feelings, I don't care about anything, as long as you are nice to me, that's all that matters. But Jesus flips the script, and this is why I want us to understand, before we get into everything else, are we right? Before I focus on someone who's offended you, are you right? Let, let verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. You ever talk to someone and all they care about is them? They, they, they ask you, it sounds good, how are you feeling, Brother Justin? 
But before I can even hear anything you say, I tell you all my problems and all my, and then I leave before you've even had a chance and you're just sitting there going, care. It's, the, it's this caring, this love for others that, that puts at odds that offense and it keeps you from the snare of the enemy. Have this mind among yourselves, verse 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, who Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of men. My question to you, and this is a hard one, is, is have you emptied yourself for the cause of others? Have you really given everything you can in your relationships with others? And uh, so, so the Bible keeps going. Here's the consequence. So, so I told you what, what we should do. This is what we should do. Have this mind of Christ and love and be kind. Here's the consequences when we get caught in that trap of the enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another... Now, first off, let me back up for a second. Paul writes these letters to churches. Okay, Paul can't get to everybody. He doesn't have a jet. He's not flying around. And so, I mean, if you go and study some of Paul's journeys, you'll find it takes him a long time to get places. Sometimes he's shipwrecked. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes he wants to go and God says you can't go. And so, Paul writes letters. These are probably not the only letters Paul wrote. It's just the letters that God decided to include in the canon of Scripture. But, but the Corinthian church had some issues. And, and so first off, you have to understand the Corinthian church, they were kind of in a bad spot. They, they pretty much weren't really kind to each other. In fact, everything that I've been preaching about, they were probably doing the bad part of what I'm preaching about. They, they, they took Lord's Supper unworthily and and, and instead, of, instead of taking it together, and how, how many of you enjoyed communion Sunday last Sunday? Powerful presence of God. But instead of coming together, they would come and the rich person would, would open up and they'd bring out a whole T-bone steak and twice-baked potatoes and, and you know, tiramisu cheesecake. And, and, and here's this poor person over there that's starving and, and all they got is a little piece of bread and a little, you know, uh, something to drink and no one wanted to share and it was all about class warfare and I'm better than you and that's the Corinthian church. And he goes on to say, here it is, in the church, again, we're talking about Christian people. You, you have a grievance against one another and so you, you dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints. And so, you know, I, I get so mad at my brother, I'm ready to go take him and sue him and, 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 and just sue his socks off. I don't know of anybody here that, that's doing that in this church, and I'm not suggesting that there's an issue here at Lighthouse. I, I don't think that's where we are. But the principle is this. Why are we so... Why does it become so easy to just go nuclear option on my brother? I don't do that in the grocery store. I don't, I don't you know, somebody cuts me off in the grocery store. Now, I, I, I will, there's a little temper that y'all, y'all don't ever see it. Very few of y'all have ever seen Brandon Buford's temper, and I hope you don't ever see it. I, I've had people that, that it scared them because it's shoved way down by the Holy Ghost. And it needs to be shoved way down. You want to know why I don't play board games with y'all? Because I shove my temper way down. 
You don't know why I don't play a whole lot of, of, of sports with y'all? Halftime, because y'all can't play sports, and it drives me nuts, because I hate losing. Y'all out there just having fun, and that's stupid to play a game just to have fun. No, you play a game to win. And so when I'm on your team and you're just playing around having fun, it ticks me off. Push it way down. But, but have you ever noticed that? You know, we, 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 don't, we don't treat anybody else the way we treat our brothers. Any of you, may, you don't have to raise your hand, any of you made a New Year's resolution to go to the gym and get swole and fit and look good? You know how many hypocrites are at the gym? People who, who, who look the part, but they don't really play the part. They'll tell you what you need to do, but they don't do it. We don't go get mad at them, but we sure do get mad at our brothers. You ever notice that it's easy for us to get mad at our family, but not the stranger that does worse? And so that's what Paul's trying to say. Why, 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 are, you, why are you just throwing them into the lawsuits? Why are you going there? Don't do that. In fact, I mean... It, don't you know the unrighteousness, keep going down, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. All of these things. But such were some of you. And it goes back to, I'm doing this because I need, or I'm not going to do that because I need mercy. I've failed. I've come short of the glory of God. I've probably hurt your feelings. I've probably said things to you that, that I regret and, and that offended you. And, and so I can't do that. And, and, and Psalms, the, the psalmist said it best. The psalm said, it's not the enemy who taunts me, otherwise I could bear it. Psalms 55. It's, it's not an adversary that deals insolently with, with me because I could then hide from him. But it's you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. What, what's the psalmist saying? The psalmist is saying the things that hurt me most is when my brothers get involved. Wounded in the house of a friend, another psalm in Proverbs would say. And that's why Luke chapter 15, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, he tells his disciples, and this is one of those places where I want you to see it kind of like we did with Matthew chapter 10 and kind of see it in all these different versions. He says in the English Standard Version, Jesus said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. The King James says, it's, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe to him through whom they come. Why? Because it goes back to what I'm saying. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an offense. It's a temptation. It's a stumbling block. Here's the thing. This is why it's a temptation. You ready? I walk into you, you're, 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 you and, and I, I, I offend you. I, I hurt your feelings. Okay? Now, I did that. Brandon did that. I should be the one that, that suffers God's wrath or God's consequence. But you know what the enemy does? He gives you a temptation right then so that the, the issue doesn't just lie with the one that's being offensive. But again, how do you handle the offense? That's why the Bible equates them with an offense and a temptation to sin. Okay? Did you know you can sin by how you respond to being offended? That's what the Bible's saying. And so it is that he says offenses are going to come, but woe to him through they, that, to whom they are going to come. It would be better if, if you're going to be an offensive person, 
If you're going to go hurt the brothers and the sisters that, 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 that you love, if you're going to do everything that we've been kind of talking about, it would be better for you to go grab a, a, a big old chunk of concrete, tie it around your neck, go jump in the Missouri River, and try to swim. You'll have better chances swimming out of the Mississippi River with a 100-pound rock tied to your neck than you will when you get to heaven, or when you get to judgment, rather, and the Lord talks to you about you being offensive. So, it's going to come. Offenses are going to come. These obstacles of stumbling that might cause us to sin are going to come. And, and so he says, pay attention, verse 3. If your brother sins, if your brother offends you, that's what it's talking about. It's not talking about any other sins. It's talking about if your brother uh, uh, offends you, well, tell him he offended you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he does that, so if he sins, again, what kind of sin are we talking about? Offended. If he offends you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. And the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. Nowhere else in the Bible does, does, do the disciples ask for the Lord really to increase their faith. Not so much when it comes to healing the sick. Not even when Peter walked on the water and failed halfway through. You know the problem the disciples had with their faith? How do I forgive someone that's offended me? The Bible says even up to seven times a day, but he doesn't stop there. Because, you know, the Bible's never going to stop there. He would take you to uh, uh, other places and he would say, I want you to, to, to forgive them seven times 70. I think if I do my math correctly, that's 490 times a day. One of you smart people here, Brother Justin, you got your calculator. Find out how many minutes, how many times a minute 490 goes into a day. Okay? So find out how many times you'd have to be, you'd have to turn around and forgive someone to hit 490 times. Because that's, that's what it's all about. That's why the Bible says I, this is so important that you don't fall into that trap. So I'm going to make you work hard. Later on, I'm going to probably revisit some teaching that I've done. Some of you may remember it, but, but coming right here from this, because the Bible says you can, you can uh, they said increase our faith, and he says if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you can stay to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. And so because of that, I want you to understand this. Everybody listen. You know those little mustard seeds that we always use? We take that verse way out of context. And I'm okay with it because it, it's good. But, you know, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. It's not talking about faith to go heal the sick. It's not talking about faith to go raise the dead. It's not talking about faith to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's talking about faith to conquer offense. And I've got a sermon that I've preached here, and I'm going to probably revisit it uh, maybe in, in when we get back on lessons from the sycamine tree. That mulberry tree is actually what they call a sycamine fig. And there's a whole understanding of why the Lord chose that tree when it comes to, to his understanding and, 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 and why he chose that tree when he was talking about offense and bitterness. Proverbs 18, 19 says this, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. 
and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Now, there's a couple ways you can look at that. Number one, if you offend somebody, it becomes a lot harder to reconnect with them. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I guess most all of us have relationships that that aren't the same anymore because somewhere in that relationship there was a fence and and it's just never been the same. You with me? But I'd like to tell it to you like this. Maybe another way to look at it is simple. It's a... It's, a, it's, it's normal, it's, it's life. When we're offended, we put up walls to protect ourselves. I don't want to be hurt again. The problem is those walls that we put up to protect ourselves too often become our own jail that we have a problem getting out of because we put up too many bars. So I can't leave it negative, but yet the second part of this message, I want to really focus on how to rise above that offense. But so, so part two is, is if you've been offended, here's what you need to do. But let me help you how to guard yourself from being offended. Psalms chapter 92. Let's, let's look around verse 5. You know, how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are deep. A stupid man cannot know. The fool can't understand it. They don't, they don't get the privilege of seeing you. That though the wicked sprout like grass and evildoers flourish, they're doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Uh, He goes on to say that in verse 12, that the righteous flourish like the palm tree, grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit. In old age, they're ever full of sap and green. And to declare that the Lord is upright, He's my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in them. So I want you to catch this, that the righteous flourish. They're planted in the house of the Lord. Mark chapter 4, verse 16, the parable of the sower, it talks about those that are sown onto rocky ground, those who when they hear the word receive it immediately with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while, and when the tribulation or persecution comes, they fall away. Or Psalms chapter 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The key that I want you to catch out of those three verses is being rooted Rooted in the Word of God, rooted in the house of God. Now, trees, I'm not talking about plants, I'm not talking about annuals that you go, you know, here, here even though it's probably like two degrees outside now, right now, and there, there's going to be a day, it's not going to be that much longer, you can go to Lowe's and Home Depot and all that, and they're going to have all those pretty flowers out, and you can go buy those flowers and you can put them in your yard, and if you're not careful, if you look, there, there's two kinds of flowers, there's perennials. And there's annuals. Annuals you plant, no matter what you do, they're going to die. Then you buy them again the next year. If you don't want to do that, buy perennials. I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about the grass that comes and goes. I'm talking about trees. Trees that last. Trees that have been here for hundreds of years. Trees that every season produce fruit. 
The difference is they are rooted. Now watch this. Those trees that you see, they've experienced some great things in their life. They've experienced incredible times of of, of well-watered rain and and, and sun. And and I mean, they grow like just weeds. I mean, they, they can put it on, but they've also experienced times of drought. And they've experienced times of, of uh, uh, pain. And they've experienced sun that has blazed down. And they've experienced cold. And they've experienced rain. And they've experienced hail. And they've experienced wind. And But the thing is, going back to Matthew chapter 24, the thing is they endure to the end. Roots take time to develop. And what I would caution you today, if you want to be protected from falling into the trap of offense, then don't uproot yourself every time something offends you. Well, they hurt me. I'm going to just throw it away. I'm going to go away. And you uproot yourself. Well, somebody in the church hurt my feelings. And so you, you pack it all up and you find another church to go to. Well, my family, they, they don't love me. And you start cutting, cutting ties with family and you unroot, un, uproot yourself. Guess what? Every time you uproot yourself, it takes that much longer for those roots to grow. Sometimes I wonder, and, and, and you may wonder, how come I never grow? How come I never gain? Well, it's because you're constantly uprooting yourself. I, I hate God today. He hurt my feelings. I'm not going to read my Bible. You uproot yourself. Sometimes you got to put those roots deep into the ground and just know there's going to be times of drought and there's going to be times of, uh, of winter when the leaves fall and nothing seems to happen and it seems like you're dead. But seasons come and go. And you're drawing strength from the roots in His Word, roots in His body. And because of that, I would caution you, stay, get rooted and stay rooted. He that endures to the end shall be saved. Does a tree ever say, man, it's January and I haven't had any leaves grow on me for a couple months. I probably ought to need to move it and go somewhere else. But it doesn't. Because God in his infinite wisdom says grow where I planted you and grow deep roots. And in doing so, you'll survive the seasons. And you'll survive the offenses. They're going to come. You can't, I, I cannot give you any other way. They're going to come. So I, I don't know how to help you. They're going to come. Now, hopefully because of the teaching today, we don't give somebody excess offenses because you're going to be a better Christian. I'm going to be a better Christian. We're going to guard what we say and how we walk and and make sure we love our neighbors and love our enemies and love our friends and love our brethren. And we're going to try to make sure we're peacemakers and we're going to try to make sure that we're not quarrelsome. I mean, hopefully if we all do that, those offenses will be a lot less. But at the end of the day, offenses are going to come. The question is, how do you handle being offended? If you're not careful, that old devil, put put back my, my sermon slide, Brother Andy. If we're not careful, that old devil puts that trap right where you want it. Sister Roche does such a great job making most of these sermon slides. And so today I said, I need a trap. 
and I need it to say something like that. And so she begins to look up traps, and some of the traps got pretty gruesome. I got a picture somewhere in my, we, we, we bought a house one time, and it, it hadn't been lived in in five years, and the mice had taken over, and I, I lost track counting how many mice I trapped. It became fun. It got to where I could put the trap in the, in the cupboard, shut the door, snap, open the door, take the mouse out, bait it, put it in, shut the door, snap. But I got a picture where I got three of them in one click of the trap. You know why? Because there's a little piece of cheese or a little piece of peanut butter or something there. And the enemy knows how to make you feel good at how you handle offense. But if we don't handle it God's way and if we don't be careful of the wiles of the devil, it's going to find ourselves in the trap, the snare of Satan. And so it is that hopefully today I've given you a little understanding. And next lesson that we teach in this series is going to be how to get over an offense, how to forgive an offense, because they do come. And so, but before I got there, I wanted to make sure we all conduct ourselves right. Because again, it's real hard to judge others when you got the two, two by four in your eye trying to find the speck in theirs. So I wanted to start biblically first, but then there are some incredible things that we can learn about how we can forgive others seven times a day, 490 times a day. Did you ever figure that out? Once every what? Yeah, once every three minutes. I mean, I don't even know that I could get an apology out and I forgive you in three minutes. But that's how often, and that's, now, now we, could, we could really have some fun and I'm not going to, but that's, that's a whole 24 hours. Let, let's take the eight hours that we sleep or, you know, at least we're in our bed or whatever, and then it'd be a lot less than every three minutes. It's a pretty high bar to get to. So we'll talk about that next time. Why don't we stand today? I'm so glad that you're here. I wonder if we could just lift our hands for a moment. We've let the Word of God be preached to us, that living Word. Now, here's what I want you to do. Would you just accept that Word? Wherever it found you, whatever it caused you you to feel, whatever that Word spoke into your life that was more than what I was saying, but maybe in one of those, the Word kind of tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, you need to pay attention right here. Hey, hey, this this one was for you. This part... This is for you. That's how the Bible works. That's how the Word of God works. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder the joints and the marrow. It gets to the heart of the situation. I provided the Word that God gave me, and then the Word began to go forth. You have to accept it, Lord, right now. In these moments that I have sat at my desk and studied for this lesson, I have let your Word speak to me. Lord, I have tried to allow that word to soak into my own life, not the life of the pastor, but the life of Brandon Buford. And, and I, have, I have allowed that word to illuminate places that maybe I didn't necessarily want illuminated, that I was, didn't want you to delve into, I didn't want you to get into, but Lord, you did. And so God, I had to accept that word. And I can't just hear the word, I've got to do the word. And I pray that you would help us right now, this entire congregation. Lord, let us become more like you. Love like you love. Care like you care. And we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.